Hello, internet. Let's do this. Let's make some podcast magic. Welcome to episode 54 of Digital Digital Get Down. Yo. Coming at you live from the Minnesota Get Together. The great Minnesota Get Together. The Minnesota State Fair. The great Minnesota Get Together. Yeah, that's the hook. Sure. So, we are here from the State Fair. If you hear fireworks going off shortly, that's what it's from. Yeah. Now it's too early still for those. That's okay. Um... Do we want to share my news now or save it for good news? Let's let's hit it at the top. So my good news, bad news for this week on a personal note, mm. bad news is that I no longer can say that I work at a zoo. No. Good news is that I have a real grown up full-time job. As of tomorrow morning. As of tomorrow, as of less than 12 hours from now. Heather's going back to school. I am going to be teaching middle school science very suddenly. Woo! So if you are a teacher and you're listening to this, please help me. I have no idea what I'm doing. Send me some stuff. But I think I'm excited. You're going to be great. I have had literally no time to plan for this or prepare for it and don't know what I'm doing at all. But I'm sure it'll be fine. Maybe. Anyway, send me your good vibes, please, because I'll need them. And if we're a little... A little spotty in our podcast recordings. That could be part of the reason. Oh, I was going to say it was the amount that we drank on a river yesterday. Oh, that too. I mean in upcoming episodes. Oh, upcoming yeah. episodes. I thought you meant today. We were a yeah, little no, bit spotty. I'm on my game. Don't worry. I don't Except know for that little I bit. Am. I'll carry you, honey. Okay. We're partners. Okay. I'm You're my person. water because I'm still hydrating. I am drinking our river filtered water. Mine too. Cool. Um. So... Um, tomorrow, as of Monday, is also U.S. Open. Fortnite begins for the first time Not ever. The game Fortnite. No, the U.S. Open Fortnite. Yeah. You and I have filled out a bracket contest, oh, a yeah. tennis bracket contest. It's gonna be really bad. I was I was starting to do it by whoever I found more attractive in the photos. Yep, that's fair. For the fair. men and the women. That's not, you know. That was basically how I was doing it. It's more fun than NCAA because that's just like names and team mascots, colors. Mascots. Yeah. This was actual people that I got to judge and sure. pick who I thought should or would win. Do you remember who you picked to win? Um, Men. Uh, number Who's number four? Kerber. Uh, for the women, Angelique Kerber. Kerber yep. for the women. And for the men, I think... Uh, Nishikori, I think you had oh, winning, didn't you? Did I? I don't think he's really going to win. I just want him to. Not Rafa. You didn't pick Rafa. No. And I didn't pick Roger. Wow. Well, I feel like it's almost jinxing them to pick them a little bit. Yeah. Who did I pick to win the men's bracket? I can't see yours. That would be illegal. What? Why? I don't think I can see it until you after can see it's locked in. in NCAA. Oh, you're right. Um, so I picked Dominic team to beat Kenya Shikori in the final. Both of those are kind of big reaches, but I went for a lot of upsets. I don't think Roger has it in him. Um... We'll see. We both picked Stan Vavrinka to go quite deep. He may lose very well tomorrow. He's the underdog tomorrow. But he's tomorrow. so cute. I still think he's the one we talked about on that podcast a while ago. You're right. The story lines up. I know. I'm sad about it because I was like, he's so cute. I liked him. I, why hasn't? Why haven't I thought about him in a while? And it's like, oh yeah, because I his, forgot about him because he's a dickhead. Ditched his wife. Yeah. Um, and then Naomi Osaka is is getting all the headlines on the women's side. So it's Naomi. That's the Japanese way of pronouncing it. Thank you for that. We had a camper this a Japanese Action. camper this summer called Naomi. Cool. Um, so yeah, we got lots of tennis to talk about in are, a couple weeks. Are you going to talk about your personal good news? 
that I won a carnival game? Yeah. It was a pretty big moment. It was a big moment for you. Last week at last year at the Minnesota State Fair, I spent a lot of money upward north of fifty dollars on a couple of different nights playing basketball shooting carnival games and just went home empty handed. Yeah. And with sad and dejected. Yeah, that goes without saying. Um and at the Minnesota State Fair, there are so many people there, hundred hundred thousand per day. Yeah. That it feels like everyone's walking around with a giant stuffed animal yes. or a basketball. And you're like, why don't I have Even though it's like probably basketball. like a quarter of a percent of people, but still, it's like everybody's you like taunting it. you. Um, you have still yet to win me a giant stuffed animal, for the record. So my wife, also the co-host, friend of the show, yeah, um, was kind enough on a Target spree, bought me an indoor bedroom basketball. Hoop. I'm sure this was on the podcast when it happened. Probably. So pretty much like the an best, over the door one. Yeah, best gift I've ever been given because it's legit. It has a fiberglass backboard, a mm-hmm. real orange basketball, leather basketball. Mm-hmm. So it's like for adults. Like it says, it's for children. Mm-hmm. But it's well, I mean, it's not like the little classic shitty one. ones one. for no, babies. It's not a nerf like, one. It was on sale after Christmas. It wasn't even for a holiday. You're welcome. No, it was yeah. on sale at Target after Christmas, and I bought it for you. Um, and so no joke. Like I pretty much practice on it. At least two to three nights a week. Look at the ball so I can hear the sound that they can hear the sound that it makes every day. That was part of an agreement of you getting it was you would put up with the sound. Go get it so they can hear it. Oh my god! You want me to make a shot from the other room? What are you gonna talk about while I'm gone? I'm just gonna sit here and just meditate about the sound and how annoying it is. You have to start it from over there and then get closer. We'll do some sound effects. This is why people have hardwood floors. To give me a migraine. I feel that in my brain. I feel it. But was it worth it, honey? To make you happy for... Did I Did I come through on Friday evening? Because I stepped up. You got really sunburned yesterday. I stepped up to the carnival game. The mm-hmm. mini one, because mm-hmm. I knew... You've been practicing. That's your jam. That's, that's your that's your event. That's my event. It's your clay Not course. the long distance one. It's your clay course. <laughs> my specialty. And you got two shots for five tickets, which is like fucking terrible math. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. It's like three or four dollars. So I thought I got two shots for one ticket and we had like 60 tickets. So I was like, I, no. I'm definitely going to get this two at shots some for, point. for six tickets. Two, one, Good three God. tickets per shot. Wow. So I take my first two shots and, Good thing you know. I had they, a blue ribbon bargain for these tickets. bounce off the rim. But yeah, at that point I was still thinking I had like 20 shots to go. So I was like, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And then when you handed over more tickets for me to keep going, I was like, oh wow. Like pressure's on. Like this Mm -hmm. is NBA Finals Game 7. Like Game 6 maybe. Yeah. Um, And so I step back. You know, I just take a a breath. I channel my inner Glenn Rice. Mm -hmm. Best three-point shooter in history. Mm -hmm. Um, And the next shot, no, I didn't feel it. No. Rolled off the fingers. Wrong. And then I just entered a state of like pure calmness. Like I was just, I didn't know where I was. I blacked out a little bit and I just stepped back. I let it slip off my fingers and not really, but yeah, it went in, it went in. I want a larger basketball life size. A Celtics one that your wife was kind enough to find for you in the pile because that man was not. Yeah. These carnival workers are not. Yeah. At nine 30, since they've been there since 6am, it's hard to believe, but they are not. Full of energy. No. The most miraculous part was that we walked away with tickets. Yeah. For the next time we go. Yep. 
we didn't spend them all and walk away sad. Miracle. Uh, what else you got? You I have one thing that we forgot to talk about. What did we forget to talk about? The Oscars announcement? I had it on my list huh? a couple weeks ago and I forgot. The Oscars announcement. They're adding a new category in addition to a bunch of other changes. There's going to be Best Picture and Best Popular Movie. Is that the trying to make what what constitutes as a popular movie? Doesn't exactly. That, does it have to sell over X in the box office? So or? this was like a couple of weeks ago, and now the headlines are like Black Panther. People are saying "fuck you," make us best picture, not best popular movie. So is that their way of trying to like marginalize uh, like things that are mm. entertainment? Yes, I mean it all gets back to. The Oscars only cares about having people watch the actual show. Right. So working backwards, how do you get that to happen? Well, you have to talk about and give awards to movies that people actually, actually saw, see. not yeah. just The Revenant and stuff people want to say they saw. And so their knee-jerk reaction is to say, okay, we'll basically make a Marvel category. But what constitutes that? What's a popular movie? Like, are they going to base so it on box dumb. office sales? Or so dumb. Are they just going to base it on movies that people like that aren't, like, awards contenders? No. It's such a mistake. you got to go, even, I mean, the Golden Globe setup is certainly not perfect, but you got to split up comedies and dramas. Yeah. And then, yeah, Black Panther would have to be considered a drama, I would assume. Yeah. And it would have to compete with other dramas. But, yeah, popular movie versus best picture. And that just seems to be making fun of themselves. Like they're just I thought admitting. It was a, I thought it was like an onion head. They're just admitting that the best picture movies are not never popular movies. Right. It's very confusing. Yeah. So. Which was that your bad news? Um, that was just my forgotten news. Forgotten news. Yeah. New category. Oh my gosh. Now it's weird time for news. good news and bad news, so we don't forget it for next time. Woo! Are you starting? Um, I only have a couple. I mean, the best good news. Of the week, for best sure. News, we're adding like an eighth category. The best news is that Big Bang has an ending. And yeah, is within that was on sight. mine too. I, I assumed it had to be. I mean, this is what, season 12? I thought it was like 19, honestly. So it's know. the longest running sitcom. Since what? Ever? No, ever, I think. Which I would have thought like Seinfeld had more, but maybe not. Yeah. Or Frasier, I feel like that was on forever. Yeah. So... Jim Parsons turned down $50 million to leave the Big Bang Theory. That was the second story that came out, was that he was kind of the... the uh... Season 13. You're right, it's that 12 seasons. Okay. So that, that he... That he was out. Right. And that kicked everything off, so... I heard that, too. That show definitely definitely needs to be put down. Yes. Um, Once they all started getting married and having babies and all the plot lines were just about uh, marriage and babies, it's like I understand that the show needed to progress past them being like eternal bachelors, but they do a really bad job of the marriage dynamic, and I think that's something that a lot of sitcoms do poorly, but in particular, like, their little, like, we don't understand women shtick was like... Mm like annoying but kind of passable when they were like single and whatever but the fact that none of them have learned like how to respect women even though they're all like in relationships and married and stuff yeah it's frustrating it just shows very little character growth the only way that married people parts. can be funny is if they disagree or don't and if they hate each, to other each other don't yeah. respect each other hold grudges constantly um like it was no fun to watch like the jim and pam style either where like they just oh constantly God. had big long drawn out disagreements about like about and bought things. houses without telling the other people so that's no fun either so i maybe it's just impossible to like have marriage be interesting on a sitcom but well right and it's also a, a length of the show issue because 
Um, yeah. I can no, you think of us. any, I mean, thank God they ended Parks and Rec when they did, right? Never got to that state. Well, they time jumped, so they didn't have to deal with it, basically. Exactly. But I don't know, Ben and Leslie were still funny to watch together, and they were not constantly belittling each other. And True. Maybe Ben and Leslie are goals. Okay. Sitcom couple goals. Yeah. Um, so that was your good news? Good news that it's, that it's coming to an end, yeah. Okay. Um, one of my good news is, is that, um, Kelly Marie Tran article. Yes. Did you read the article? Saw the headline, saw the photo, saw the first paragraph, didn't read the rest. It was super short. Oh. You could read the whole thing. Okay. Um, basically it's just her, like, coming back after being, like, run off the internet by angry racist fanboys. Right. And, um, just kind of reclaiming her space and her time. And it's really gratifying to read. And I'm proud of her. Does she regret doing Star Wars? No, not at all. She regrets be letting um, people chase her away from the internet. She basically said it wasn't the things they were saying. It was the fact that I started to believe them and started to buy into mm. um, kind of all the bullshit about that. I Gaslighting. Belong. Is that a good point? Kind of. Sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, she was like, it wasn't the specific words or any one specific comments or anything. It was just that after hearing for so long for your whole life being a person of color that she just like started to internalize it too much yeah. and needed to, to take a break and get away from it all and get some perspective and um, kind of deal with the feelings that she was having and the shame that she was feeling and come, came back stronger for it. But it ends Go really girl. like, it ends really intensely. It ends, um... Is she in the next movie? Did her character die it or ends with, have died? You might know me as Kelly. I am the first woman of color to have a leading role in a Star Wars movie. I am the first Asian woman to appear on the cover of Vanity Fair. My real name is Loan, and I am just getting started. Oh, yeah, that's the part I read. I thought that was the beginning. Oh, that's the, that's the end. That's okay. the kicker. Got it. It's the clincher. Yep. I thought it was the nut graph. Huh? That's a journalism thing. Oh. The beginning is, it wasn't their words that I started to believe them. I see. Their words seemed to confirm what growing up as a woman and a person of color already taught me, that I belonged in margins and spaces valid only as a minor character in their lives and stories. It's really worth reading. I'll definitely share it. I have an Asian good news. Can I segue? Sure. Um, we still have to go see, what's the movie called? Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. When are we going to go see that? We're just like too busy and too popular lately. Soon. Um... So, apparently the song Yellow by Coldplay gets involved near the end. Okay. A rendition of it. Are you spoiling anything right now? No. But there's this there's this article on the AV Club about how Coldplay originally said no to them using it. I think because they weren't just going to play it from the soundtrack. Like, they were going to have a cover of it. Okay. Like, one of the characters cover it. Um... And the director wrote this long letter to Chris Martin and the boys explaining, like how the song um, impacted him Yeah, when he was younger, especially because of the word yellow. No. Um, and so they turned around right away and said, yes, definitely use it. Cool. So there was a happy ending. And it's about Asians. Yeah. Because yellow. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, my other good news is that Scotland has passed a bill or a grant or something to have free period products in all schools. For the students. Got it. Vaginas. Uh-huh. Isn't that amazing? That's good. You know how expensive they are? Yeah. And it's such a pain. Mm-hmm. Even as someone who can afford them, but not being able to afford them, it's like, what are your other choices? Do most countries do that, or are they, no. like, breaking Absolutely ground? Absolutely not. Huh. Absolutely not. You think in middle school people just handed me tampons? 
I didn't know if like other foreign advanced countries were doing it. I don't think so. I was just reading an article. So you're about saying Scotland it should be as like ubiquitous as like toilet paper. Like you go into yeah. the bathroom, you get what you need. Like it? Could you imagine like going to school and they're not? You had to br- br- like bring your own toilet paper. Every fucking bathroom has a needle depository. They should have. Well, they also have depositories for used things. But, yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought that was a really happy story, okay. and just really like progressive and nice. Like the fact that there's still like a tampon tax, as they call it. Like there's extra tax on things like that, even though Word. they're in necessities. Yeah. So that was a good story. Okay, are we on to bad news now? In world first. Okay, they're leading the way. To banish the scourge of period poverty. Where girls and women struggle to pay for basic sanitary products, which affects their hygiene, health, and well-being. Hmm. A survey in Scotland found that one in four respondents at schools, colleges, or universities struggle to access sanitary products. And nearly one in five women had experienced period poverty, aka not being able to afford basic sanitary products. Well, every time I reach into my backpack, there's a plethora of them throughout all shoes. of my luggage or my shoes. <laughs> I don't know how they got in your shoes that time. <laughs> Um, do you have more good news? No. Okay, do you want to go into your bad news? I've got a couple bad news. Let's do bad news. Um. Do you want to start more serious or less serious? Because mine kind of descend. Let's do serious. Okay. Yeah. Want me to go first? I don't have any serious ones. I guess you're going. Um, I watched this, like, really heartbreaking video earlier of, um, one of the kids in a detention center, immigrant kids in a detention center, Mm -hmm. that got returned to his mom and just like didn't even recognize her didn't even want to be near her like just totally was like shut down and he was like three probably yikes and it was really horrifying to watch and there was commentary from a child psychologist basically saying like this is what a traumatized child looks like like he is even though he's really young he had to learn in these detention centers that like nobody was gonna come comfort him if he was crying nobody was gonna tuck him in at night nobody was gonna like give him a snack whatever so he just kind of learned to to shut down and to not like accept anyone's affection because it was like he, it wasn't a guarantee so mm-hmm. now he like won't even let his mom hug him and he's like three and she just kept saying like i'm your mom what happened what happened i'm your mom and it was like the saddest thing i ever watched gosh so, you fuck you u.s government joking about serious shit no that kid's gonna be fucked up forever and so many of these detention centers like all these kids that are in detention centers they're gonna be so fucked up as they grow up and as they get older because now they've just been like punished for being alive and like they're going to have all these attachment issues and coping issues and issues with authority and it's all going to be because the the government looked at them and said oh you're brown we don't want you in this country immigrate to scotland instead (sighs) sounds like a better place for women at least okay keep going let's get a little bit coming back to tennis yeah okay how do you feel about the serena catsuit issue um, Have you followed it? I mean, she wore it in, in France or not? She did, and they told her she couldn't wear it again. Okay, that's I what think. I was confused about, because I thought I remember stories from May about her wearing it. I think she wore it, and now they've decided that she's they like sent her a letter or whatever and told her she's no longer allowed to wear that type of outfit because yeah. it's not appropriate for tennis or something bullshit like that. I listened to a bunch of... Um, tennis podcasts and they like dive into issues like this really deeply like getting into the rule book and stuff the rule book for women's tennis is like really silly about like what you can and can't wear 
Um, like you're not allowed to wear pants is one of the rules. You can't wear leggings. Um, but all that stuff is kind of... But the ridiculous part mm. of it is that she there was a compression suit because she had issues with blood clots Correct. after she gave birth. Right. So it's like for health Medical reasons. necessity. It's like a medical necessity and it was also supposedly a little bit to call awareness of like the disparity in, in medicine of black women not getting um, the treatment or this this like not people not taking them seriously with issues like this yeah and also like she almost died after she gave birth because nobody took her seriously when she was complaining about the pains that she was having and stuff right so she's wearing this outfit to like help make sure she doesn't get another blood clot which is deadly yep and they're like um that doesn't fit in with the aesthetic we want for the french open so if you could not wear that again um so yeah i've critiqued some of Serena's fashion sense, I think, on this podcast before. I did not have anything negative to say about that one in particular. So I think they also, Roland Garros can go screw themselves. They like also Wimbledon like called well. it racistly called like the Black Panther cat suit. Like she didn't mm. call it a cat suit. Like no. they're calling it a Black Panther cat they're suit. Animalizing it. Yeah, and just making it like what's the most famous black pop culture recently? Let's call yeah. it Black Panther to mock her. So yeah, that whole story is just garbage. Uh, and I'd rather have. Her trying out different outfits than poor Roger stuck in the dullest Uniqlo clothes imaginable. Yeah. Why don't they disallow those for boredom? Who are the dad polos? <laughs> Marin Chilich. Not allowed. <laughs> Too boring. Go watch your sons play kickball. <laughs> okay. Any more bad stuff? Just one more really light one. Okay. If I hear one more news story about Pete Davidson, I'm canceling the internet. I started you on that, correct? You were the one that keeps reading them. No, You're, I yes, haven't clicked yes. in weeks. Have not clicked in weeks. Yeah, I never clicked to begin with. I have so... I, I just don't, don't care. get it. I don't care. Okay. I don't care at all. He, I'm, don't I, even I, fucking put him in the podcast I hope notes. he's happy. Pretend like we didn't talk about him. I hope he's happy, but I don't need to hear about it every single day. It's like, oh my God, what was the first words he said to Ariana today? Oh my God, what was his last text to her? Oh my God. I just can't. I don't care. How did they become the next, like, it couple? People are just, like, baffled by it or something? Yeah. I'm more baffled by Scarlett Johansson and, um, what's-his-face, Whitey Newster. That was a good nickname. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, some bad news for you. Uh, you've heard of Netflix? I'm familiar, yes. Um, so they're thinking, they're starting to test a new feature on their streaming platform where in between, in the middle of a show you're watching, they'll stop the show... And show you some other content. Like like an ad. Almost. But they're all house ads, like we used to call in the journalism world. Meaning... So it's an ad. Is it going to be an ad for the fucking show that you're fucking watching? Because you know how much I hate that on ABC Family. Heather does hate that. BBC, like, usually. BBC, but ABC yeah, yeah, Family does it, too. It's like, form. I'm watching we the bold type. Stop form. giving me commercials for the bold type. I'm watching it already. You've already sucked me in. So, right. I don't think this is to Orphan that degree. Black bad with that, too. But, but, yeah, Netflix will show... Stop How your do show. How Because if they're advertising for, for Orange is the New Black and you're watching Orange is the New Black, are they going to be smart enough to do yeah, that or not? Yeah, it's programmed. But, anyways, they're skippable, so you just have to click a button to skip them. And they're like, well, our, our our viewers love how we show trailers and stuff at the end of episodes, so we're just going to stick some in the middle. Get out of here, Netflix, with your garbage. I mean, we know that we pay $4 less a month for the Hulu Basic program so that we can sit through... The same Chevy ads. Those Buick ads, the Chevy ads, and most recently... The best is a Chevy ad in Spanish. Can we, like, have that as yeah. an option? Because it was much less annoying. But the your Spanish favorite one. Can you act annoying. out our favorite one now? What's the favorite one? The uh, the Watchmen. I Oh, 
It's Dad. I don't know. He was just playing with Emma, and he tripped and fell, and he won't stop bleeding. Oh, yeah. The blood thinners. For his AFib. I think you got the script exactly right. <laughs> Not another pill. No, I don't want to swallow a pill every day. I'd rather have you implant something in my body to keep me from having strokes, but guess what one of the side effects is? Possible stroke. Yeah, now that sounds like a much better alternative to swallowing a pill every morning. Yeah. Yep. I'm over it. It's because we've been watching Boy Meets World, which is like for aging millennials, so... <laughs> okay, Anyways. and my last one, I don't think we need to riff on it too much, Olive Garden sells annual passes for unlimited pasta. I was unaware of this. I hate America so much. Subscription-based pasta. So much, I hate it. Yep. And breadsticks. Um, I, well, yeah, I assume so. I hate America sometimes. Okay. All right, are we getting into our... Should we do a commercial break? Sure. For our AFib sure. vitamins? Right in the middle. We'll do a commercial break for our own house ad right here. <laughs> Um, you should go sign up for Book Digits, B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com, or if you're one of those people that signed up ages ago and then just forgot about it and hasn't checked it in a while. We've got a few. Um, go check your Book Digits, go see how you're doing with achievements, set a reading goal, check your to-read list, check your stats for this year, see how summer you're Summer reading is over for your little kiddos, but at Book Digits, it's like summer reading year-round. It's true. The achievements are year-round. I am super close to getting Red Diamonds. Elizabeth, friend of the show. Already got Red Diamond. Yep. And was very excited about it. Some might say disproportionately excited about it, but I think proportionally Just excited. Just right in line, yep. Um, I have 24 points to go. Wow. Which is like eight books. A couple upvotes could get you out of jam. It could get me out of a few jams. So I'm pretty close. I, I'm doing something right now that I almost don't want to admit. Multi-book reading. Yeah. I see it on your profile right um, now. But this one, um, who do we tell about this? Because there's no cover for this book that's been out for ages. Sure. We can handle that. Um, book digits tech support. I've been trying to read the second book in The Darker Shade of Magic. And the first one was like pretty good, but it was kind of like not like 100% addicting. But as the story got going, I got really into it. And it's like a decently interesting magic setup. A little bit too Gaiman-esque. Like the parts I don't like. Did you ever read Neverwhere? No. By Neil Gaiman? No. That's the one where, I think that's the one where there's like an underground London magic kind of thing. Right. Um, so it's a little bit like that. But I still found it interesting. The second one is just really dragging. They've added some character um, perspectives and split some people up and try to make you care about the villain from the first book is now like a main character. I don't know. It's just really dragging for me. And I can't tell if it's the book itself or if I'm just like not in the mood for fantasy. Like, you know that I'm a mood reader. Like, True. I have like a TBR pile and I'm constantly just ordering new books from the library or picking up a different book off the shelf because I just read what I feel like. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know if I just don't feel like reading like a fantasy kind of thing right now. So then I started to read this other like contemporary romance kind of one because they all, both need to go back to the library. Mm-hmm. And then that one wasn't really doing it for me either. So am I picking shitty books? Is Bookstagram giving me books that I don't actually want to read? And I'm just feeling peer pressure to read them? Maybe you should rely on your Book Digits recommendations more. Maybe I Maybe should. you should try the Find Me a Book tool. Maybe I which should. Which helps people a lot when they have north of 700 books on their to-read list. Good 800. lord. North of 800 books. abusing our database space. I'm charging you for that now. We do take donations, by the way. Thanks. And you can boost up your achievements by paying us. Okay, children, I think we should talk about the books first. Okay. The children love the books. Okay. The best thing at camp last week was that yeah. um, one of the instructors made an elf joke and all of the kids loved it. Phew. 
So the next generation is coming up right. Also, you were bagging pasta salad and you look just like Buddy <laughs> getting ready for breakfast. And I made you lunch too. Um, so we're talking about a book that I think we're only talking about because of our Barnes & Noble run that day. Is that right? Yes. So we had we a talk very... talk about that on the podcast? I don't know. Probably. We had a very aggressive Barnes & Noble trip where we went in just to like the kill... Used we kill, went in to like kill a little bit of time or something. We were picking up the book you had oh, ordered. Oh, we were picking up a book that I had ordered for this book swap that I did. And um, we were like, oh, we'll just have a quick stroll through. And yeah. then it was like, oh, look at this used book section. And I found a book that you were really excited that I found. Yeah. Because you'd never even seen a hard copy and it's a very pretty cover. Coming up soon on the podcast. Yes. Um... And then we were just like looked around. But for they a had this while. system where they had colored dots on the books that would determine their price. And the signs were placed at really bad places, so you were constantly running back and forth, yes. like, wait, is this a good deal or is this not a good deal? Wait, what, what do we do? And the signs did not agree with each other either. Some of the signs right. said this was four dollars and some of the signs said this color was four dollars. It's like a game. So, so if you got like what, a green sticker? It was I don't remember. it was a dollar for the book, even hardcovers. So, so I, I was found, hunting for green. I found some books that I was just hunting for books that I wanted and then checking them off the little picture thing, trying to figure out how much they were and if they were worth it or ones that had cool covers or that were on my to read list. All the ones I picked up were already on my to read list. Sure they were. They were. Or books you had already read like this one. Yeah. Or books that I had already read. No, that was your, well, sure. Okay. Um, so we ended up getting like nine books for like $50. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty good. Not bad. Like less than $5 a book. Mm -hmm. um, averaged out. And the, quite a few of them were nice hardcovers. True. So there were a couple that I was like, this one's in particular that we're going to talk about. I was like, this was not a great book, but it's a dollar and it would be a really good read for the podcast. And it was yeah. one that I think I had either recommended to you or considered recommending to you because I thought you're like a little bit more of a bookish person than I am, like a serious literature person than I am yeah. with your English minor. So it's a concentration, but yeah. So I thought that this might be a good one for the podcast. And we gave it um, similar grades. If you count my like handicap of just being nicer than you yeah. with book ratings, um, we gave it pretty much the same grade. Actually, you probably gave it a little bit of a better grade. I think we probably have a two- half-step differentiation right. between you our gave grading. it a C plus and I gave it a C I gave it a C plus which for you would have been a C minus or a D plus probably correct let's tell the people what book we're talking about the storied life of AJ Fickery a novel by Gabrielle Zevin who did second second time on the podcast is yeah. she the first repeat author no Rainbow Rebel we've done like three. oh true and we did the whole um Illuminae series yes um so yes we talked about young Jane Young on the podcast. Which is her more recent book, right? A while back, yep. We both enjoyed it a lot. Wasn't perfect. Wasn't um, extremely deep, necessarily. No, but the voices were good. The yep. story was good. It was like a solid read. American um, political. It reminded me of your novel a little bit. A little uh, plug for Last Candidate Standing. Mm -hmm. Coming up to midterms. <laughs> so, this book... When was your writing from? How many mm. months, years are we going back? A year and a half. Okay. So I'm a little rusty on this one, so I'm going to let you do the synopsis here. Sure. So, the book takes place on an imaginary island, but essentially it's Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. They call it Alice Island. It's not oh, a real so. thing. Um, so Alice Island is a small island off the shores of Massachusetts where you have to take a ferry... Uh, back and forth to the mainland. 
And on this island, there's only one bookstore, a little independent shop, as you are often having on little island getaways. I was convinced in my head that it was Block Island in Rhode Island. It did, could be modeled off of that. Too. Did we read a book that was based on Block Island sometime? That We Were Liars? Is that Block Island? No, I thought that was Martha's Vineyard. Okay, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Um, so this bookshop is run by the protagonist. A.J. Fickery. A.J. Fickery, who is part Indian, which you only learn Not about. Not Native American, like India Indian. Yes, correct. Which only comes up in like one paragraph because the author mentions that he eats a lot of curries. And so there's like a... A recurring issue with this book where characters you know only have like two traits and they're just very very rudimentary so they're just um cardboard cutouts of characters yeah two-dimensional um so we'll get more into the criticism in a bit but so aj fickery he is i think in his late 30s when the book is starting even though she describes him as like a oh, crotchety 80 like year old man yeah that's another issue i have so he's only supposed to be like late 30s early 40s his first wife has died several years back from a car accident on the icy roads of this island. So he is a widower. Uh, he lives alone above his bookshop. He only reads literary fiction. He hates all the snobby tourists. That, or he's a snobby person. He hates all the flimsy tourists who and, come into his shop. And he hates that they ask for like contemporary, like bestseller kind of read. Sure. And he hates that all the... Like the book suppliers try to push onto him all like the flashy beach reads because that's not what he's into. Correct. That's not real literature for his real literature shop. Yeah. And so there's a little aspect of this book about the publishing world because publishers supposedly come to his bookshop, even though it's quite a distance away, to hand sell him books off their upcoming list. Well, it seems like that was kind of an old fashioned thing yeah. that they like kept doing for certain supply, certain um, bookshops like this one. Yeah. And so one day there's a, a new uh, publishing house person named Amelia who comes to the island, who's like a replacement from someone who either retired or passed away. And she tries to sell him some books and he's his snobby self and she goes away and they get into a disagreement and it's like, blah, whatever. Um, meanwhile, um, later that year, I think, uh, near Christmas, uh, AJ's in like a big bout of depression and he gets super drunk one night and he's so lame that the only thing he can do for fun while he's drunk is to take out his really really old Edgar Allan Poe first edition yeah and just look at it because that's all he can do for yeah. entertainment that's and his recklessness he, yeah <laughs> he blacks out and wakes up and the book is gone and the book is dun, supposedly dun, dun, worth dun. like millions of dollars um so that's what he was going to use for his like theoretical retirement or as his yeah whatever his future so he's now more or less poor lost his only crowned um possession and like can't afford to keep the bookstore wasn't there a, there's a little like... bit of that but not even really there not much drama about that okay um but then like the next day or like a few months later it's christmas time and he goes outside of his home for a little while, then comes back. There's a baby. And there's a baby in the bookstore with a note from the baby's mother saying the mother can't take care of her anymore and she should live with someone smart who works in a bookstore. Okay, so... That part was very strange. He's like, I want her to be smart. Here's a baby because you want a bookstore. <laughs> yes, so... 
Um, the police, there's a police chief who's one of the more memorable characters. He's kind of like a goofy little sidekick. And then his wife, there's something with his wife? Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, and so the policeman's like, well, we'll start, you know, a missing persons alert and like a abandoned child alert. But for now, you just hold on to the baby. We can't get them to child services. And of course, within 24 hours, the baby... Uh, named Maya has stolen AJ's soul. Yes, and give his given his life meaning. And exactly. Whatever. And so he adopts her. And this book, in between chapters, like it will jump years at, in some points. Um, and so Maya grows up throughout the book. Um, I don't know how much else we want to give away, but I don't remember any more of it to give away. Honestly, okay. it's pretty forgettable for so me. So Amelia comes back into the picture. Um, they have a decent flirtation. Uh, where Amelia has another man in her life. It only lasts like a chapter and a half, and I'm just such a sucker for fl flirtation in books. Yeah. I wish that was like a book digits theme. I need to start tagging books like that because I, I, can, I just get hot and heavy about flirtation. Oh, yeah? And, yeah. Um, so that only lasts a little while, and then they get really serious, and they, you know, they, this whole sort of accidental family comes together. Um, and there's some other side plots and stuff. There is uh, AJ's late wife. Uh, her sister lives on the island. Her sister's the cop's wife, right? Well, you just gave, you just spoiled oh, the part. So you didn't remember something. Spoiler! She, at the beginning of the book, she is married to an author named Daniel, I think. And oh, he has yeah. zero redeeming qualities. He, like, goes around and his dialogue is literally like, I cheat on my wife, I cheat on my wife, I'd like to have sex with you because I cheat on my wife. Yeah. I'm only exaggerating a little bit. I'm a rich and famous author. Cheat on my wife. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, again, to the cardboard character theme. Um, so he meets a, a poetic ending, which is one of the times in the book where it's just things get closed off way too neatly. He dies. Yeah, that's my thought. Yeah. Um, Spoilers abound. It's fine. Don't even read this book. It's fine. So I think that's enough about the plot. Um, it's... A cute kind of like I described it in the um, in my review as an ode to book lovers or an ode to hardcore readers. But it was readers. like too obvious. Like it wasn't like a subtle like ode to the themes of of books and, and loving books. It was like here's a list of authors that I think are worthwhile. Here's another list of authors. Yeah. Here's the name dropping of famous books. Right. There's not a lot of nuance to it. Take me seriously because I like Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of bookish discussion. There's a lot of scenes that take place in the bookstore. And now that we've, you know, we do our shopping around town at different bookstores, like, it, it's cute. But I'm not sure it deserves an entire novel to be written about. That's what, um, I'm going to read somebody else's book digits okay. review because it's a good one. The, the top review for this book on book digits says, I wanted so very much to love it. I love the characters, the setting, and so much of the story. It just didn't feel like enough. Like, the story didn't have quite enough substance to it. I love Gabrielle Zevin's writing. There's some lines that made me pause for a few minutes just to admire the beauty and the truth, but it didn't feel like it all came together in a way that made it a book to truly love. I don't think we have to say anything else. Who Thanks. Can we quote this Ashy person? Reads. Okay. So that's how I felt about it too. It's like it was fine and reading it there were certain points where that were poignant or certain parts that were really nice or like you said some of the like flirtation was like pretty good and mm -hmm. some of the dialogue from what I remember, between, like, Maya and her adopted dad. Yeah, she has some good. really cute like, parts, Maya too. Maya was cute, just like the kid and her other. And Young yep. King Young was one of the best I was going to say, you can see kind of, like, how she progressed from this. I think this book, what does book did you say? It's from 20, what? 
2014. Okay, so, eight years so yeah, ago, you can definitely see how she kind of learned to to inhabit those voices better. Yeah. And build out those characters a little bit more. Yes, and... Because um, in Young Jane Young, you still had some caricatures, sort of, like the congressman was like a philandering... He was um, Senator Dexhart. Yeah. We've been watching that Parks bit and Rec, on yeah. Parks and Rec. Um, but even he had kind of more nuance to him than And there was just a little characters. bit more depth to that story. The story was yeah. like, I'm going to write a cute story about bookstores. Because I know someone will publish it because it's about books. Yeah, like what if an old guy found a baby at his bookstore and then yeah. it's like a whole novel. I still think I prefer books about books and readers as opposed to books about writers. I like cuz I swore off ever reading another book about someone writing. Yeah. And that's this doesn't fair. qualify. Um no. Maya wants to be a writer but she's just cute. Yeah. Um Words in Deep Blue was the one that I read that was kind of similar to this one but in a more like YA kind of way where this is one character she like writes notes in a book and leaves them at a bookstore cuz this the thing of this bookstore like their shtick is that they have like you can write notes in in books so you can write back yeah. and forth to people. Um and that one was like about the family of this is the one I was getting a little confused with when I said does the bookstore close because that one the main one of the main themes was like about the bookstore possibly closing down and right. like the family that owns the bookstore and then someone is like having this kind of flirtation back and forth with somebody else in the bookstore so they don't want it to close because what's going to happen mm -hmm. um, and then spoilers you should read this one so spoilers one of the per people who is passing the notes is actually dead and then <gasps> the other person it's not like a um, Bruce Willis situation. Like, yeah. they were passing notes and one of them died and the other one continues to leave notes and then it's like, why aren't they writing me notes? Right. Um, and they never found out who the other one was and then it's a whole thing. Okay. Anyway, that was my... If you want a story about book lovers at a bookstore, mm -hmm. Words in Deep Blue by Cast something or other. Okay. Is a better... Has more substance to it than this one did. Yeah. So I say stick with young Jane Young. You don't have to... Delve dig into her back her backlog yeah backlog. all right i say let's keep it moving okay we got school in the morning oh don't remind me so, so i nervous. forced you to watch this movie you told me it was hilarious and amazing and i was gonna love it yeah i think i said something like that i did not love any of it at all we watched the little hours which is like on a lot of streaming services. This is our counterpart to our other Aubrey Plaza one. Now, I like this movie better than Inger Goes West. What, do you, what say you? Disagree. Really? I didn't like Inger Goes West that much, but like at least I could follow it. <laughs> I just did not get the humor of this one. It seems like like a prolonged SNL skit, yep, which is, is supported by Molly Shannon and um, yep. what's-his-face being in it? Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. <laughs> um, it just seems like something that would have been funny for three minutes on SNL. Like, the funniest bit is the first part when they're kind of acting polite, and then they're like, what the fuck are you looking at? Get Correct. the fuck out of here! Like, the shock value. I'm sorry if you have your headphones in for that. Um, the shock value of that yeah. was kind of funny in a jarring sort of way, and for me, it did not sustain <laughs> for two hours. Right. Like, so it was an SNL skit that lasted for two hours. Right, which they used to do with, like, Night of the Roxbury and stuff. And, um, Superstar. Yeah, so... Superstar. Um, yeah, the opening shot is is really funny because 
I mean, if you don't know what you're getting into, you're like, you know, is this a Monty Python take? That's also is this... what it reminded me of. You're right. Or are they doing some like serious medieval kind of thing, like I Game was of Thrones? Because like Diana Agron had a movie about nuns. That's yeah. Not this movie. That was like more serious movie. And right. There's been that other serious movie with the nuns that exposed like the um, abuse or whatever. Yeah. So there's and then a re- there's this movie. Real long opening shot of Aubrey Plaza, you know. Uh, bringing a donkey through the gates of this nunnery um and the music playing behind it makes it feel like this is like a and medieval it's supposed times to be like 1349 or 1549 yeah, yeah. or something i think 13 it's supposed to be like the 1300s correct and it you do you realize it's based off of an archaic text loosely based yeah what does the archaic text say no idea so but, but then he came he wasn't actually mute and he had sex with all the nuns probably that so then, yeah, that opening shot ends with Aubrey Plaza, and we'll have to look up the other actresses' names. The but one from Raising Hope. From Raising Hope, and they just drop a lot of F-bombs in a row. So that's the introduction to, to this movie, which, like you're saying, it kind of tries to place itself in another time, but with modern language. Well, the enact anachronism yeah that's the right word for it the anachronistic whatever that part is once again funny to start off with yeah and then it just loses its value i don't know right so Kate you have miss mccucci okay so she aubrey plaza and um let me just read off the names of famous people and it's got a great cast aubrey plaza allison brie dave franco other, yeah. kate mccucci who you'd recognize who you'd recognize if you watched raising hope or, or big, bang, big right? bang theory yeah. molly shannon john c Riley, nick offerman fred armison jemima kirk from girls yeah um i think that's the end of them and i guess that's the end of the famous people but. so yeah killer cast in terms of comedy um i read a little bit of it about it afterwards and it definitely was like an improv movie um, so... A riotous sex round played with un- lunatic conviction by a great cast. Yeah, it's it's a, it gets mixed reviews. Like, people either love this movie or hate I it. I just didn't get it. So, to try to describe the movie, so there are those three nuns. Um, John C. Riley is the priest at the, uh, in the church. Molly yeah. Shannon is the head of the nuns, whatever that role is called. Um... And the but the driving plot actually starts at the is it a castle? I don't know what what is Nick Offerman's role. Um, a lord. Yeah, just a lord. So he's chilling in his castle. He's a super kind of douchey lord, and he's just obsessed with like these evil Guelphs. <laughs> the Guelphs are coming, <laughs> and uh, his wife can't fucking stand him one bit. So she is banging Dave Franco with long hair on the side. Yeah. Um. And Dave Franco almost gets caught. There's a weird thing about it being dark, so he cuts off some hair. That doesn't make any Nick sense. Nick Offerman goes down to in, the servants' quarters with his bonnet on, and uh, can't figure out which guy was there's just no dark. Bang, there's no electricity. There's no light. It's dark. Can't figure out which guy was banging his wife. So he says, "I will just cut the hair of the man I'm pretty sure it is, and in the morning I'll figure out who it was." But Dave Franco wakes up and cuts everyone else's hair. Which really confuses the other servants, but... Anyways, then four minutes later, he gets caught again, banging. That was the wife's fault, though. She was just, like, making out with him just in the middle of a field. Yeah. So Dave Franco goes on the run, 
uh, and bumps into John C. Riley, who is supposed to be selling Allison Bree's embroidery work. But he's drunk with a donkey? Yep, and crashes in a into river. a river. Dave Franco helps the priest get back um, to the church, and John C. Riley decides that he will give Dave Franco's character a job because he has nowhere else to go and or because hide. Because the nuns beat the shit out of the last farmer. So they, he, they decide that. Dave Franco will become a deaf, mute servant, woodworker, landscaper here so that he will not be subject to the nuns uh, bullying. Yeah. And then they all just rape him. Yeah. That basically covers the next two thirds of the movie. Minus the lesbian sex scene. Yeah. So there are a couple of really memorable scenes, not the rape, not the reverse rape scenes. Um, So called rape. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Um, one in particular is Dave Franco's confession to John C. Riley about all the sexual things he did with yeah, the Lord's okay, wife. Okay, that one was pretty good. See, that's like an SNL skit. Oh, yeah. When he's asking about the definition of sodomy. Like, you can tell which parts were, like, kind of an ongoing, like, um, shorts or, like, yeah. like a... When they were just letting it roll? No, no, no. Oh. I'm saying you can tell which scenes were written as, like, a... For, like, a variety show. Like, yeah, written skits, as yeah. SNL skits. Like, an ongoing gag is what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. how SNL has, like, um... The same Recurring stuff. Recurring, yeah. thank you. So you can tell which parts were, like, meant as, like, a recurring skit. Yeah. And which parts were just filler to make it a two-hour movie. Right. So that part with the confession was obviously, like, a written skit. Correct. That was done. That was one. And then, normally, I... I dislike Fred Armisen in most things, especially movies when he just comes in to do his shtick. But he was perfect in this one where he shows up as like the archbishop the or something. The, fu- the one of the few scenes that I found funny. You did laugh in this one. Was yeah. when he was standing up there reading off the crimes of all of these people when they all get caught in their huge scheme. And some of them are witches and it turns into a whole thing. And he's just like, do you think I've ever written that down before? Sheep's blood? Have I ever written that down on this paper before? Sheep's blood? What drinking, are you guys doing? drinking sheep's blood, I think, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um. So that part was gold, but you're right. In between, there's a lot of lulls and a lot of strange scenes. And like for such a weird fucking movie, it should not have been so boring at certain parts. Yeah. Like the shock, they like rely a little bit too much on the shock value of the anachronisms of the the nuns and the language and stuff. And just the contrast between the fact that they're supposed to be nuns and, like, their actual behavior yeah. and comportment. But... Right. So that's, like, the central irony of it is that it's just totally flipping what you expect a nun to be. And even these people are unsure what a nun's supposed to be and are unsure of who they are. So you didn't get any sort of identity politics out of it, of, like, interest of, like, the sexual awakening that was happening or the religious awakenings, awakenings that were I happening. I mean, obviously I got a little bit out of the... Um, female empowerment part of it which was like that they were basically like taking back their bodies and correct um taking back their like taking back ownership of their own bodies and their own lives yeah so i appreciated the idea of that part of it of Mm -hmm. like like females just because they are have been like brought to this nunnery by their parents or whatever like are not powerless right like they were actually like the ones in power a lot of the time but the execution of that didn't, <laughs> didn't do, do it, for, it for me okay um the other scene that i thought was funny was when that old lady walked into the room with Alison Brie <laughs> to help her with the embroidery and they were like 
halfway through fucking or about to and she just like shoved him under the bed and then he came out of the bed and then under the bed again and out of the bed and under the bed again like there's some physical comedy too yeah yeah. and Dave Franco is pretty good in this movie like he did a good job with his role which was just like this horrible fuck boy that you also kind of feel bad for because he just keeps getting into these situations that are just ludicrous and not entirely his fault um so he was like his physical. He was very good with the physical comedy. <laughs> and all of the at. nuns, tr- you know, ha- trying to communicate with him when obviously he can hear and yeah. talk. Um, so yeah, you and I do have different senses of humor on occasion, though. Yes, we and this do was come one together on Boy Meets World and Parks and Rec, though. As long as you, I've said it before, the three facets or tenets of my What's the third one. Um, yeah. Come on. What's the third one? Television show? No. Oh, Elf. Yes. Yeah. Boy Meets World, Parks and Rec, and Elf. If you don't appreciate all three of those, you're mm-hmm. not going to understand my sense of humor. Yep. Like, there are other things, obviously, that we don't necessarily agree on, yep. but that's one of, like, the main foundations of our marriage, I think, is that yep. we find all three of those to be very funny and, like, endlessly watchable forever. And I'll just keep watching Wrecked by myself. Yep. I can't watch it because the guy voices Koran from Voltron, and that's all I hear when I watch it is this old dude with a big handlebar mustache in space who's an alien on a spaceship. Not that it's magic. All right, let's let's wrap this baby up. Um, oh, here was my actual note from that. Okay. Um, BC. That's the movie it reminded me of. Yes. That one with Michael Sarah and Jack Black. Correct. And you thought that movie was funny, and I that did movie's not. pretty funny. Yeah. I don't think it's very funny. Yeah. Once again, a few things that are funny with, like, Michael Sarah being, like, more feminine than, like, a caveman is supposed to be and, like, gathering <laughs> flowers and stuff. He's such a gatherer. <laughs> but, yeah, I just did not. See? Yeah. It's so funny. I don't. It doesn't really do it for me. But you also like John C. Riley because you, like, walk the line. And other than you got cut in half real bad. <laughs> Speak to us plainly. We aren't doctors. Yeah, that movie's gold, too. I only like that one scene, and I will quote it all it's day, called, and the rest of it. We always call it Walk the Line, which is the serious version of it. Walk, Walk hard, hard, the Dewey the Cox, Dewey Cox story. story. Sorry. Um, I, I also wrote, so much naked Jessa from Girls, weirdest movie, did not enjoy weird sex scenes. That was my the full extent of my notes. Yeah. Okay, I have no upcoming things. I have nothing to look forward to, other than tennis. Just 14 days and nights of tennis. Good Place Season 3. Yep. Uh, what on earth is the tag? The tagline because they're back on earth. Mm. Um, good place is just fine. It's a good like watch it every week for a half an hour kind of show. Yeah, but it's not my favorite. We got our feelings out about it on the podcast. We you did. can go listen to that episode. We did. I I guess I sort of feel nostalgic about it because we're in such a TV rut. Maybe. Yeah. But we'll see. I still want to watch that single parents one with um, Taryn Killam. You're and... excited about network comedies, honey. What is this, 1999? I don't know. But I'm excited about that one. I'll watch it by myself if I have to. Um, We're supposed to keep watching the year the worst and we yeah. haven't yet. Uh, just circling back to a little bit of our chatter early in the episode. Like, Big Bang like has become unwatchable on reruns. I don't know if they're showing really bad reruns or something. But it's I used to put that episode. on as de facto. Um, Full House, which I never put on the reruns, has had a couple of real funny episodes. Big Bang was ruined for me when I could not sleep on the plane back from Australia and watched about 20-something episodes of it in a row, and it just was too much. It's like a small doses kind of show, unless you're my dad. But for the most part, 
it was that just was too much for me and I got to the point where I was just like fuck it I can't sleep I'm just gonna power through and catch up on the show and that kind of ruined it for me okay babe what's coming up my last one yep um is fence which we talked about recently with elizabeth friend of the show she guest of the show twice she and i and you were here we're talking about how it's on this couch not a lot happens in each episode of fence never short the content is not a problem like the art style is not a problem the characters aren't a problem it's just so short like they're so small and i know that's mostly just because i'm not used to the comic kind of um set up right but eight episodes in and they're in practice yeah eight episodes in and they haven't even picked the team eight issues eight issues so fence got renewed kind of past its 12 issue initial run it is then going to be a graphic novel and it's going to come out like for uh each edition of the graphic novel is going to be like four or five of the smaller ones yeah so obviously it's going to be a little while like they'll be longer between them but like more will happen in them and that's exactly what i wanted to happen so we'll have to see price wise if i keep buying them or if i just see if the library has them or something because that was the only good thing about it being these tiny comics is like a couple bucks each so like and you get something in the mail and i get something in the mail like every month which is kind of nice because i never actually remember when they're coming um but i'm excited i think i will be more invested in it if i can read a little bit more of a solid chunk of the story at a time yeah so i assume like this run will finish by picking the team and then like each other chunk will be like different matches and different dynamics and stuff so i think it'll be more interesting going forward so i am riveted i'm very excited to like be able to keep up with these characters and stuff but in possibly a little bit of a better format at least for me personally okay we'll see all right, that's it. That's all I got. Hopefully the, your school children don't find this podcast. If you're listening, delete this right now, young child. I was just thinking that, actually. Okay. Oh, if we well. delete all our episodes in the next 24 hours, you know why. You know why. All right, it's been fun. We had a good run. If I survive this first week of school, uh, you'll hopefully hear from us next weekend. Uh, no, we're taking Labor Day off, I think. Well, you'll hopefully hear us in two weekends. Yeah. All right. Other than that, thanks for listening. And um, let us know if you have watched Little Hours and if you have feelings about it and which, if you're more of a Bennett or a Heather with uh, Little Hours. Hot takes welcome. Let us know. And I'll put some stuff on Twitter if I remember at DD Get Down. Okay, peace. Bye. You gotta get down with the get down. Well, now, get down, get down, er, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, er, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down, get down. Get down.